And it starts out a little rough, okay? So it just, but we know in the end, as we're reading this, this is a tough one today. But we know in the end we have hope because of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why when we read scripture like this, we know that this isn't the end. This world isn't all that there is. But we have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. So would you follow with me? Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear to deceive many people. Because of the increase of, the wickedness, of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when, you see the holy, so when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of to the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Let, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to take his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would have survived. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See... I have told you ahead of time. This is the reading of God's word. Father, we thank you for your word. And this morning as we delve into the, into the subject of the tribulation, Lord, we don't know. We don't know will your church walk through this time or will you take us out of this time. But God, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for strength. And we pray that God, now while we have freedom, now while it's okay for us to read the Bible, to pray, to gather together, that we will make the most of these days. I pray, Father, for the fresh wind of your Spirit to blow over our hearts and over this time. Would you give us ears to hear the word that you have for us today? For each one of us, Lord, you have something that you are wanting to say. You are pursuing us to have a relationship with us, a relationship that is real and personal and that is based upon your love. And so, Father, I pray that today as you communicate your truth to us, as your servant, I want to get out of the way to allow you to speak. Fill your servant with your spirit and with your anointing and with your authority. And we do this all for the glory of Jesus' name and his name alone. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, as we have been walking through this series, we're in, uh, we're in week five of the series, uh, What Next?, we have two more ser- sermons after this. Next week, what we're going to be looking at is the question, do I have to believe in Jesus to go to heaven? Ever there are a lot of people who say, all roads lead to heaven, and you can have your religion, and you can have your religion, and you can have yours, pastor, but they're all going to eventually lead to, to heaven. Is it the truth? Do I need to believe in Christ to go to heaven? And the last message we're going to have in this series is what's next. It's, the, it's what's next. What happens after we die for both the Christian and for the one who chooses not to believe. Those are the last two in that series. And then we're going to proceed into a new series towards the end of February. And that series is, is uh, answering the question, who do you say that I am? 
answering life's most important question. And that's going to be a series where we're going to look at who is Jesus, who do we say that he is, but we're also going to look at, our, at what we believe is a denomination. We believe that Jesus is our Savior, he's our sanctifier, he's our healer, and he's our coming king. And we're going to dig those apart, and we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to turn the question as though we were asking God, God, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I am loved, I am accepted, I'm secure in you. That's our next series that we're having, and that will be taking us up right up towards Easter. So today, as we get into this, this is a heavy. This is a heavy one. Because as Christians, we don't know. We don't know. There's a lot of speculation. There are a lot of people who would love to believe that the church will be raptured out of here. And like I said last week when we talked about the rapture, there are theologians, there are godly theologians that that fall on on, on all three different views, whether it is that Christ will return and rapture the church before before the tribulation or in the middle of the tribulation, or at the end of the tribulation. There's, there's good arguments for all three of those. But we don't know because all throughout history, God has never taken his church out of that, but the church has walked through difficult seasons, hasn't it? And the tribulation will be a time of incredible persecution. Incredible persecution. Persecution always starts out very subtly. One of our examples... <clears throat> I don't know what's going on here lately. <clears throat> but I've taken your advice. I have warm ginger tea in there today, so you guys are <clears throat> teaching me well. Persecution usually starts very subtly. All we have to do is go back and look 70 years in, in the past and look at Germany. At Germany and what happened there amongst, the, amongst not only the Jews, but even as you know, we talk about the Holocaust... I I look lily white here, and I have a German last name, but all of my relatives on my father's side were gypsy. And when my brother went to Germany, when my brother was working in Germany, and he went to the village that all of our ancestors were from, and he asked, for where where are some of the aunts? Where are some of the Starks that that were there? And they told him, were they they gypsy? And he said, yeah, they're, they're gypsy. And he said, they were all taken to the concentration camps. They were murdered with the Jewish people. So this is, this is right, this is very, because what happened to my relatives, persecution starts in a very subtle way. Oftentimes it's the taking away of things, of, of ridicule. One of the things we read in Second um, Peter chapter 3, verse, verses 3 to 4, he says, first of all, you must understand in the last days scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes as it has since the beginning of creation. It will start very subtly, but then it will move on. Rights will be taken away. You'll be made to stand out. You may not be able to earn a living. One of the churches we're going to talk about this morning is the church of Smyrna. And the church in Smyrna, it was a, it was a city that was made up of, of guilds, of different uh, workers, and almost like a union. And when the Christian, when a person became a Christian, people stopped doing business with them. And there was a loss of income. Sometimes that can happen as well. Sometimes children are not allowed to go to a certain school, or allowed to participate in a certain sport. It starts very subtly, but then it will always ramp up. And it will end usually in in martyrdom. Do you realize in the last 2,000 years, take a guess, just take a a guess, you can say it out loud here. Take a guess in the last 2,000 years, how many people have been martyred for their faith? Just take a guess. Give me a number, Sydney. 
Okay, so we got 10 million. What do you think? It's a lot more than 10 million. 69,240,000 people. I have a report in the back. It was done by somebody doing his doctor work at uh, Gordon Conwell, and he listed that. 69 million people were murdered for, were martyred for their faith. And there were 12 occasions, 12 different occasions, where more than a million were martyred at that time in the last 2,000 years. And you almost want to ask the question in the midst of this, God, where are you? God, where are you? This is your church. These are your people. God, where are you in the midst of those times? And we read, we read in Revelation chapter 2, verse 9, and this is the church at Smyrna. Seven different churches that, that Jesus talks to. It's the only church that receives no condemnation, but only commendation. And Jesus writes these, he says to this church, he said, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of a synagogue of Satan. When he says there, I know your afflictions, that word for afflictions in some of your translation, he says, I know your tribulation. What that word literally means is it means to be pressed. When they, would, when they would grow olives and they would take the olives off the tree, they would put the olives in a press and they would grind them. Some of us, when we make uh, orange juice or we, or we squeeze lemons or a lime to get the juice out of it, you put that in there and you squeeze it. That's the connotation there. He says, I know you're being crushed. He said, I know you're being crushed. I know your poverty. Remember, Smyrna was that city of many different guilds, different uh, like unions. These guys, when they chose to follow Christ, they chose to go without, and they, and they chose a life of poverty. We read in 2 Corinthians as well, the church in Macedonia, that church that was, that was extreme, extremely uh, poor, and yet Paul says, out of their extreme poverty, out of their great joy, what did they do? They gave, and they gave, and they gave, didn't they? Where is Christ in the middle of these hard times? He said, I am right there with you. He said, I know what's, what you're going through. And I promise I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And it makes, does that, does that make any sense in our lives where we're at today? For some of us, we're walking through things and God knows. He said, I know that you're being pressed. I know that what's going on. I know that you're being crushed. But I'm with you. And I promise I won't leave you. I promise I will give you strength. And he who remains strong to the end will do what? He'll be saved, won't he? The first thing we see about the, about the tribulation is it will be an incredible time of persecution. Remember, the tribulation is a time when God's wrath will be poured out. When God's wrath will be poured out. And during this time, it will also be a time when many will fall away. It will be a time when many will fall away. It says in the Word, it says in verse 10 of Matthew chapter 24, At that time many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. One of the first things we see when, it's, when it talks about to turn away, that word turn away, I'm going to geek you out here for a second, is the Greek word skandalizo. And what it means is it's literally to take offense at. There will be those, and, and who's taking the offense at? Did you catch what it says there? At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Who is the one that's going to be turning away? The 
And many false prophets will appear and deceive. Why will people fall away? Because the, because the, the deception will be too convincing. Because the deception will be too convincing. Remember, let's go back to week one. There's enough of you here this morning that weren't here when I, when I spoke about this in week one. One of the things that will happen in those last days will be deception. Christians aren't the only ones that have power. The enemy also has power and the power to deceive. And it may sound right. Remember the dog? Remember the dog in the Chinese zoo that they said it's an African lion? It, well, it, it looked like a lion, and it said it was a lion, but then it barked, remember? And there will be times where, it, it will, boy, this really sounds good, and it looks good, and, all the, and look at what he's doing. But did you see what will happen? So as to deceive many, it says, many. Even the elect, verse 24 says, if that were possible. That's why we need to know God's truth. That's why we need to spend time with God's truth so that we won't be, so that we won't be take, deceived. As well, it will be a time when the allure of sin will be too attractive. The allure of sin, listen to what it says. It says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. This will be a time when, when because, of, because of the deception being too convincing and the allure of sin, that people will fall away. But look at what it says in Matthew 24, 13. But he who stands firm to the end, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Listen, the strength of the church, the strength of the church is not her numbers, but rather her testimony. The strength of the church is also, is also found in its steadfast commitment to Christ no matter what happens. The strength of the church isn't in numbers. It is in your steadfast commitment to Christ. And this will be a time also that in the midst of all that is going on here, this will be a time when the gospel will be preached. Blows me away. Blows me away. Matthew 24, 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony, and then the end will come. The Christian Missionary Alliance, of which we are a part of, our founder, Dr. A.B. Simpson, this was a verse that spurred him on. And when he read this verse, he believed with all of his heart that if we get missions out, if we go to the ends of the world and take missions to the Philippines, some of our earliest missionaries went to the Philippines. If we take missionaries to China, some of our earliest missionaries in the Christian Missionary Alliance went into China. If we take missionaries into Indonesia, if we take missionaries into, into Southeast Asia, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, if we take them in there and share Christ with them and more people come to know Christ, they really believe that they would hasten the return of Christ. And I think about this. In this terrible time, instead of pulling back and pulling in, people are going to be sharing. Why? Do you think that this is going to be a time when people's hearts are open? I remember 9-11 in the States. When that happened, churches were full. I don't know how it was for you, Stan, when you were there. But when 9-11, churches were full. People, we had, on, on Wednesday afternoon, there were people who came to the church and said, we just want to pray. Pastor, can you call the people to the church? And we just want to come to the church and pray. And even as I think about it today, hearts were open. This is going to be a really, really bad time. And the hearts of people will be open. Some, it will harden their hearts even more. But there will be an openness because what's going on? What, what am I seeing here that, that's going on? 
And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world. And then, and then will the end come. Persecution will never destroy the church. Hear that. Persecution will never destroy the church. Every time that the enemy has sought to destroy the church through persecution, it has only risen up and grown even stronger. Dr. Tom Stebbins just passed away recently, one of our missionaries in in Vietnam. He's one of the last ones. You know, as you see the the military helicopters leaving the, the building in Saigon, Dr. Tom Stebbins was one of the last ones who was on the helicopter to get out of Vietnam when Vietnam fell. And when Vietnam fell, we wondered what's going to happen. We have many, many churches. Our lar- one of our largest denominations of the Christian Missionary Alliance, or one of our largest groups of the Christian Missionary Alliance today, is in Vietnam. When the doors opened back up, we didn't know what we were going to ex- what we were going to find when we went there. Today, there are eight hundred thousand believers uh, in the, in the country of Vietnam. Recently, I was talking with some people who were in Laos. Laos is very near and dear to my heart. That's where Becca grew up at. And talking to church leaders there and saying, what is it that you would have us to pray for for Laos? Here's their response. Pray that the persecution doesn't stop. For the first time ever, the church is strong. And it's strong because we're walking through difficult times. This will be a time that will be marked. This will be a time that will be marked by great persecution. This will also be a time will be marked by people who will fall away. But it will also be a time that will be marked by the gospel being shared and gospel going out. And when it says the gospel's going out, and this gospel of the kingdom be, shall be preached to the whole world, when it says world, that's the word ethnos. That's not just geographical areas. That's people groups. In a month I go to, to Cambodia, and I'm going to spend some time over in uh, the Ratanakari province. It's right by Vietnam. We have four different tribal people that we're working with there. We're working with the Kui people. We're working with the, with the Jurai people, with the Tampuan people, and with the Bonong people over there in that area. Four different tribes that were putting the scriptures into their language. That's what it means when it says that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world, and then the end will come. And that's what's happening now, but it's going to be ramped up even more. And when that happens, it will also be a time where the Antichrist will come upon the scene. Listen to what, Daniel's, what, Daniel's, what it says in, verse, uh, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15 to 21. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27 says, He will confirm a covenant. With many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to the sacrifice, and on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. That's Daniel prophesying over a thousand years before this time that Jesus, or about 700 years before Jesus is speaking here. This will be a time of the rise of the Antichrist. He will be a godsend in many people's eyes. Because he will broker a treaty, he will broker a treaty between the Israelites and the, and the Palestinian people. Something that nobody has ever been able to do. But did you catch what it said? It said, don't let anyone deceive you, 2 Thessalonians 2.3. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. Verse 4, he will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. 
Did you see something in there? I think some of you missed it. Let me, let, me, let me read it again. So that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. You, you, you missed it. Let me read it one more time. So that he sets himself up in God's temple. What temple? There's no temple in, in Jerusalem. What 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 temple? Obviously, one of the things that the Antichrist is going to be able to do is to, is, to, um, is, to be able, is to speak to the Palestinians about the fact that they need to tear down the Dome of the Rock and that the temple, because that's where the Jews want to have their temple. And you say, that's never going to happen. Oh, everything is in place today. Google the Temple Institute. They have $27 million dedicated toward this. Do you realize that they have everything in place? They have the red heifers that they need for the sacrifice. They have all of the candlesticks. They have all of the temple furniture. They have the high priestly garments. They have everything in place except the place to begin the sacrifices again. And it's all happening right now. And you think, when's this going to happen? I don't know. But everything is in place. And after three and a half years, the Antichrist will come in and he will stop that. And he'll put his own image in there. There's, there's two things about, there's something about prophecy that we need to understand. There is, a, there is a right now and a not yet portion of prophecy. This is one of these right now and not yet. Because from 174, AD, 174 BC to 165 BC, there was a man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. When when the Jews, what the Jews called him was Antiochus Epiphmemes. Antiochus the madman. He was a beast. He was an absolute beast of a man. He came in and he came into the, into the temple and he, had, he'd sacri- he put different altars in the temple and he sacrificed a pig on the holiest of the altars in the, in the temple. And he made the, the priest to eat the pork. He was, he was a beast of a man. The Antichrist is going to be even more. Because he's going to allow the sacrifices to begin and everything. We see everything is ready to go. All they need is the place now to begin the sacrifices again. And this Antichrist will enable that to happen. But after three and a half years, he will end that and show his true colors for who he is. And the tribulation will end where? It will end with the battle of Armageddon. When God finally comes and deals with sin once and for all, deals with evil once and for all. Christian, where will we be in that time? Will we be in the midst of that time? See, that's, that's why I, I say, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And, and you can come along and you can say, I know definitively where we'll be because Scripture says this. There's a lot of different thoughts in it. But here's where we come back to is this. We don't know if we're to go, walk through this. But what we should know is this, is that Christ is coming back and that he's promised us his strength, and he's promised us his presence in the middle of that time. And when we walk through times like this, even as we walk through times and days when God says, I know that you're walking through the press, what do we do in the midst of those times when everything is going sideways? You stop. You stop and you go back to what God's word says. And God's word says in Psalm 46, verse 1, when 9-11 happened in the United States, 
This was the verse that President Bush read before the American people. He said, God is a refuge and strength and ever-present time and trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. God is our refuge and strength. And in those times, in those times, we're going to need to lean heavily upon God. But the thing of it is, you, you begin that practice when? Do you begin that practice when everything's going bad? Or do you start that right now? Christian, what is your practice right now? Because the ones who are going to fall away are the ones who have been playing around with, with church, with Christianity. They're playing around on the outside. And as, as your pastor, I mean, I'm new here, and you guys, are, somebody said, well, Bob, we started out with a pretty tough, tough subject here, just coming into being a pastor. I felt very strongly that this is what God was, was leading me to preach at this time. But AIC, believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, do you know where it is that you're going to spend eternity? Are you playing games with God, with church? You're just coming in, ticking off the box, and going and doing whatever you want to do throughout the rest of the week? There's coming a time that if God calls His church to walk through this, we probably won't have God's Word. We won't have the ability to meet like we are right now. We won't have, a lot of these things will be taken away. And in the time that we have right now, what are we doing? Are we putting away God's Word into our heart? Are we deepening our faith and our walk with Him so that when these things happen, that not only are we ready, but we are prepared as well for what it is that God has for us in the midst of that time. I wish there were somewhere where I could say, boy, but there is hope at the end of it, isn't there? There is hope at the end of it, isn't there? This world isn't all that there is. They can take my life, but they cannot take my soul. Hear that, please. They can take your life, but they cannot take your soul. Every single one of us in this room, and with this I end, Every single one of us in this room was created with a soul, a soul that will live on in eternity in one of two places. And the place that you will spend eternity is the place of your choosing. The place that you will spend eternity is the place of your choosing. If you choose to reject God, if you choose to reject the forgiveness of sin, if you choose to reject the gift of God, you choose to receive what it is that God has said what it is that God gave to His Son at the cross. And what God gave to His Son at the cross, God poured out His wrath upon whom? Upon His Son, Jesus Christ. And when you pray to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God gives to His Son what we deserve. And God gives to us what we don't deserve. And that is His precious grace. You'll spend an eternity in one of two places because you were not created just for this world but you were created for eternity. And your soul will live on in eternity in one of two places. AIC, maybe some of you are visitors this morning. Do you know where it is that you will spend in eternity? This is going to be a terrible time. But God has said, see, I have told you in advance. He's told us in advance. He's given us every opportunity. We live in a time right now of great freedom. What are we making of that time? And this will also be a time when hearts are open. I grieved my heart. I went back this week in preparing for the next series of messages. And just, there was a reporter that went to Israel and said, uh, who do you say that, that Jesus is? And just one after another after another, people who don't have any time, any time for Christ. 
And there's coming a time when people will be hungry. People will want to know. And right now, while we have freedom, what are we doing with that? Are you deepening your relationship with Christ or are you playing around on the edges? This is not a time to play around at the edges. If God is working in your heart, listen to what it is that he says. Deepen your walk with him. Deepen your time in his word with him. And God, and watch to see what it is that God will do in your life. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you as we come before your word today. Boy, there are times where we'd rather hear a a light, fluffy sermon. And yet, God, you tell us the truth because you deeply love us. You say in your word that you do not delight in the death of the wicked. You don't delight in them. You said you were willing that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. You died for all. Your word says that Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. Lord, you desire that all would come to know you. And there's coming a day, Father. Your word says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. For some of us, we will bow because we love you and because we know you. But there will be others who will bow because they have to. And there will be those, Lord, who you will say, depart from me, I never knew you. And Father, my deepest prayer is that nobody in this room, nobody under the hearing of, of this voice will be ones who, are, who those words are said to. Father, I pray for our, the commitment of our hearts that, God, we will not play around with, with you, will not play around with the gospel, will not play around with our relationship, but that, Lord, as we have freedom now to read your word, to pray, to gather together, that, Lord, we will make the most of every opportunity redeeming the time because, Lord, your word says the days are evil. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the protection of the blood of Christ over this precious flock. I ask as well, Father, that you would create in our hearts, that you would stir in our hearts a new work that, God, you are seeking to do in and through us. Lord, where we have spent time, where we have time for everything else in this world but for you, Lord, would you do the work of convicting our heart and drawing us back to that place of where you are the number one, where you are sitting on the throne of our hearts. Lord, as we go out from this place, we go out into the mission field. You have put people in our lives who desperately are looking for hope. And I pray that, God, you would open our mouths and you would open our ears and that you would put great boldness in our heart to share this precious truth that you have given us to those who do not, who do not know you. God, I pray the blessing of your hand as well. As we leave and go out from here, many of us are going to be traveling, spending time with family, family members, some of them who don't know you. I pray the blessing of your hand over our Chinese New Year that's coming up and over family relationships. I pray that you'd watch over and protect them, keep them safe. And I pray, God, for rest as well. And God, as you bring us back together, I pray that, God, you would bring us back rejoicing, worshiping you for what it is that you're doing in and through our lives. For we do all this and we say all this, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May the grace and the power and the precious peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be yours as you go throughout this week. May the light of Christ be seen in and through you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.